to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newsroom. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. I want to talk about one of our events before we get our conversation going today. Ridesharing is at last on track to come to British Columbia probably this year. Join us for this introduction to the road ahead. BIV presents Talking Ridesharing with Lyft, May 29th at the Van City Theatre. For tickets and information, check out biv.com slash events. We've talked extensively on our podcast about the need for tax reform in this country to improve the competitiveness of business. And there's a new survey with the PwC and the Business Council of Canada drawing the connection between economic growth and well-financed public services as part of the argument for a review of tax policies. I'm joined now by Goldie Hyder, the president of the council, and Brian Kingston, the vice president of the council from Ottawa, to talk about this latest report. Good to have both of you on. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Uh, Goldie, start me then with uh, the broad outline of what it is that the survey has found in the way of this connection between um, economic growth and public service. Well, it perhaps won't surprise your informed listeners that as the economy grows, tax revenues grow, and we're able to reinvest that back into our country through our social programs and other major needs like infrastructure. And as I said, it seems rather obvious, but it's worth repeating because too often we think somehow the these things are either unconnected uh, and or they just kind of happen. It, it doesn't work that way. And what our report will show, and certainly when Brian speaks to sort of the tra- trajectory over the last six years, um, the evidence is quite clear that, you know, the best way to, uh, you know, grow is, is to, to speak to the angst that people feel out there and the concerns that they have is to grow your economy. A growing economy helps you have the revenues necessary to make those investments and also to, to, to not just invest in social programs, but also to keep you know, your, 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 your fiscal framework uh, on track in terms of paying down deficit and, and ideally making your way towards paying down debt. Because if you fail to do that, when those interest rates actually rise, that's when you expose yourself to greater cuts in your social infrastructure. And guess what happens? That people get even more angry. And so that's, that's the narrative, I think, around this report. Brian Goldie alludes to this uh, fact that there are probably a number of Canadians who don't draw this connection quite as clearly. They assume that say, a, a, a greater tax environment for business is somehow going to simply benefit business and not benefit public service. What, what kind of connection can we draw here? Yeah, so what's interesting about this survey is, is you look at 2017, which Canada led the G7 in terms of growth. We grew at 3% real GDP. Uh, so a really strong growth trajectory. And then the survey found that the corporate income tax contributions went up significantly. They increased by $8.5 billion to $76.8 billion. That's for the 83 companies surveyed. So mm-hmm. a pretty small subset of large Canadian corporations contributing a significant amount more in tax. And when you look at the federal government's annual financial report, which tracks their revenue intake over the year, we saw that it went up by 13% in total. That's corporate income tax revenue. So that the, what it shows is this very, very clear link between a strong growing economy and federal government revenue. Just to put that number in context, the $76.8 billion, the, the total tax contribution, that's equivalent to all government spending, all federal government spending on children's and elderly benefits combined. So, you know, it's a lot of money. Uh, and it's, it's because you have corporations that are succeeding, they're profitable, and they're benefiting from a growing economy. And, and Goldie, where are the pain points, do you think, in terms of our, our tax code and, and what does that spell out in the way of a need for some reforms? Where, where are, where's Canada lacking or off base? 
Look, I think the the thing we all have to recognize is is never before uh, both capital and talent as mobile uh, as it as it is today. We're 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 in an environment where you know thanks to Google search you can literally figure out tax rates uh, and where you're considering moving, whether you're a corporation or whether you're an individual. Um, I, we actually focus in much more on the personal side, to tell you the truth. Um, mm-hmm. You're looking on the personal side of things. You know, um, it, you know, our tax bracket, our top tax bracket, kicks in at two hundred thousand dollars. The U.S.'s top tax bracket kicks in at four hundred thousand U.S. dollars. So, if you're an engineer sitting in in India and you're thinking of moving, and and you know your ambition is to make more than two hundred thousand dollars, you'd ask yourself, geez, there's a lot of things I like about Canada. And there may be some things I don't like about America, but you know, is is that the thing I'm going to focus in on, or is it going to be the capacity to, to you know, to grow my uh, my income, my capacity to take care of my family, invest in their education, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. So people are looking very closely, I think, at personal tax rates, and we haven't had a comprehensive review since Bill Morneau was born, <laughs> like yeah. fifty some odd years ago. And so you know, we have to ask ourselves. Uh, at a time in which money is as mobile and people are as mobile, we can't just spin our way out of this. We actually have to show them that we understand that and that we want to be competitive and that we want to attract the best and the brightest uh, and speak to that. And so I think calling for a comprehensive tax reform immediately makes people feel like, oh, here we go again. Big business wants its tax cut. No, big business is actually more worried about their employees because they have labor and skills shortage issues and they want to attract the best and the brightest. And the good news is, Many people want to come to Canada. Uh, the the ban that the that the president enforced and is enforcing in the United States actually is a list of countries who produce very high skilled labor, particularly for in engineers and our in our AI industry that's emerging in Montreal and Waterloo and other parts of the country. We need that talent, but we shouldn't assume that just because we're Canada, they're going to show up here. We need to speak to what their concerns are. And Brian, here we are uh, moving into a federal election, and I don't hear that kind of discussion taking place terribly much. No, uh, you're you're exactly right. I mean, the federal government, they played with tax reform a little bit when they first got elected. You may recall that they undertook a review of all tax expenditures. It was the right idea, but what they realized is that every single tax expenditure that exists in the tax code has a very vocal constituency. Yes. And if you start trying to eliminate those, uh, you're going to run up against some political trouble. And and then in addition to that, Minister Morneau also decided to undertake a review of the small business taxation regime. You'll recall the controversy that arose from the passive investment uh, changes. So this government's been a bit burned by playing with the tax code. And as a result, I don't think that they're going to want to uh, you know put in their platform a comprehensive review of the system. Uh, however, I don't think that we should give up. Uh, it's something that needs to be done. There's pressure growing on the tax system. Um, and, and so we're going to continue to make the case that it's the right move and, and it should be done uh, post-election. Goldie, given that uh, we haven't had this reform in nearly six decades, uh, does that speak perhaps to the need for something a little less political in the way of a review, something like a commission? It may. I mean, one of my uh, my, my you know um, experiences, and certainly in political life, has been that strangely, um, it's when you have minority parliaments that you might be able to get more done. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and we may uh-huh. be, you know, not that we're a partisan organization at all, but if you read all the polls today, you're, you're kind of tracking towards that direction. You wonder about whether there's an opportunity 
to speak to all parties to say, look, this isn't a this isn't a partisan issue. Um, this isn't a business versus labor or any kind of uh, other other group issue. This is about Canada. It is about our country to be competitive. We recently launched a task force on Canadian competitiveness in which we're looking at a number of areas of which tax is just one. There are a number of things that we need to be making progress on, whether it's skills, you know, whether it's regulation, whether it's our energy and our inability to build infrastructure, uh, certainly large projects. Uh, our Canada's place in the world or the whole innovation agenda and the intangible economy. We need a comprehensive um, industry strategy to address what do we want to be for the next 150 years? Because other countries are catching up. The more I travel around the world, the more I wish Canadians could travel more around the world and see what we're seeing, which is the idea that somehow, you know, the, the East is the third world and, you know, we're helping them out. Believe you and me, they, they've not just, they've emerged. They're not re-emerging. They've emerged. <laughs> and they're leapfrogging us. And so all of these issues our task force is looking at, and part of our goal here is to work not just with government, but far, perhaps more importantly, with stakeholders, public organizations from, from uh, you know, labor to uh, indigenous communities to NGOs and others and say, we're all in this together. We can sit here and play small ball and fight against each other, or we can realize it's a very competitive landscape globally. We're doing everything we can to position Canada, not for us, because our generation is probably going to be fine, but our generation is also going to be responsible for leaving behind a situation for the next one and the one after that, that unfortunately will be declining quality of life, declining standard of living, uh, exposing them to risks about our social programs and our economic sovereignty from the United States and others. These are real issues, and we need to have a serious conversation about them as Canadians. Brian, one of the areas that I would imagine saps a little bit of the good faith in, um, in an initiative like tax reform is that Canadians are also witnessing, in some sense already with its provincial governments, a um, not quite a walking away from social programming, but a, but a very clear review of the expenditures. And I, and I certainly point into Ontario on this one um, in, in more recent weeks on, on all of this. Is part of the good faith exercise here that, that somehow the provinces have to be part of any kind of review of, of tax reform? Yeah, I mean, ideally, you can't do tax reform in a big way without bringing in the provinces and the municipalities. One element of, of the total tax contribution survey we do, it, it looks at the number of taxing points at the municipal and provincial levels, and it finds that those tax systems are actually even less efficient than the federal government system because there are far more taxing points and they bring in far less revenue than what you see at the federal level. So if you wanted to do comprehensive tax reform that really fundamentally changes the system, you ideally would have the cooperation of the provinces. Now, I recognize that's never going to be easy, but that should at least be the objective. And Goldie, uh, when you take a look at, uh, at this new survey with, that you've done with PwC, does it, does it grade us out in such a way that we, we now need um, a, a kind of a more concerted pressure on political uh, political leaders in order to get this done? Do we have the time um, as we move perhaps into some kind of a slowing of the economy to do this in time? Well, this is a challenge, right? I mean, the traditional thinking uh, is it's during the good times <laughs> yeah. that you do the things like pay down your deficit and pay down your debt and make some of these decisions that may have 
short-term implications for your revenues, but long-term be of gain to you. You limit your options in the event, you know, and I'm not su- su- suggesting that this is imminent by any sense of the imagination, but, you know, uh, if a recession were to happen, you know, now you're going to be going into even more deficit and more debt, in, and at probably at a time in which over time interest rates will eventually start rising. And so the, the consequences to your fiscal framework is very harmful. This is why we're concerned that we're, the window is closing, it's narrowing very quickly in here to act before our hands get cuffed by a potential slowdown. And this is at the backdrop of an economy that's largely anemic now. I mean, yeah. 1.2% forecasted growth is not exactly something to write home about. No. So we need to get no. on with it. Time, is time in our view, is not our friend. Unfortunately, this is something we should have done some time ago, and we haven't. And part of it just speaks to culture, Kirk. I think it's a, it's a, uh, a lesson for Canadians that we live in, in a country that has become a little too comfortable, a little too complacent, and at times borderline cocky that we feel so much better than somebody else. But, you know, that's not how we measure how we're doing compared to, to, to others. I mean, other countries, you take Germany, for example, or Japan or Korea. I mean, in the case of Japan and Korea, they had nothing. They have nothing except their talent. You know, and they were able to build economies. You take Germany. In all three cases here, they've overcome crises. Canada has not had a crisis probably since the Depression. Yeah. And we've been yeah. becoming more and more comfortable, and everything's okay because we're doing better than so-and-so. The point now is it's getting very, very competitive, and those so-and-sos that you're talking about are surpassing you. I mean, you just look at what's going on in the Asian economy. We always talk about India, China. But I, I'd like you to look at, you know, what's going on in Japan, in, in um, um, Vietnam. You know, in Indonesia, these countries are not sitting still. They're all making those investments. Singapore, you know, you go down the list of these countries, uh, it, they're doing quite well. And we need to up our game if we're going to keep up. Can, can I ask you, do you think that Canadians, having dodged a fair part of 2008, uh, don't believe that, say, believe that, 2020 is going to hit them? Yeah, I think there is something to that. I mean, in, in some ways, and not that I would ever wish us any harm or any ill, it, would, it might have been better off for all of us if we had suffered a little bit in 2008 and were forced to do more than just, just, stimulate, uh, than just stimulate our economy, uh, you know, and, and generate that, that uh, deficit that we did. And, and eventually uh, the government paid it off to their credit. Um, we dodged a bullet there. But what it allowed us to think is we're somehow resilient. Everything's going to be okay. But now we live in a country in which we can't even build energy infrastructure for a country that is basically rich of natural resources. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not able to imagine the influence we would have uh, in our trade relationships with China when things like the, the, the recent episode are going on. Had they become uh, reliant uh, on our energy, for example, just a simple example, or they required the minerals that we have and we had built the infrastructure that allowed them to take those resources and pay for them. We don't have that today. We're, we're landlocked to some extent, literally by the United States. And, you know, they're doing very, very well. And we're not doing so well as a result. And that's something we need to pay attention to. Well, Goldie Heider and Brian Kingston from the Business Council of Canada, thanks a lot, both of you, for your time today. I look forward to reading the survey and, uh, and taking a look at uh, what it's going to mean in terms of its implications for your own work in advocating for tax reform in this country. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Appreciate it, Kirk. Thanks. You've been listening to BIV Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. 